on the campus team. I'm so glad you braved the ice and snow to come out today. Yes, this is our intro for a new series we're kicking off today called It's Just a Phase. And whether you are single in the room or you're married without kids, if you're in the thick of it with raising your children or you're in the grandparent phase, truth is all of us participate in raising the next generation. 
And so we're going to all learn together what our part could be. Danny Cox, our lead pastor, is going to be bringing us the message today. But if you are a parent in the room and you're interested in gaining some more tools for your toolkit on parenting, we have a class kicking off next week. It's called Intentional Parenting, six-week course. It'll happen upstairs at both 9 o'clock and 10.30. So you can send your kids to the program or into the auditorium while you take part in that. Over the six weeks, you will learn 10 principles for how to move from less focused to becoming more an intentional parent. You can sign up online for that. Now, one thing I do know about the Kensington Loves, we love middle schoolers, and middle schoolers love to have fun. That's why every year we host an annual all-night party, and it's going to happen kicking off here on March 9th. So if you're a student in the room in grades 6 through 8, start thinking about who you can invite to join you for this night. We kick off with a big service here. From there, we head out. We go go go-karting. Then we go on to uh, airtime. Then on to the legacy for... um, Let's see, virtual reality, swimming, and then we end up at Dave & Buster's for video games. Who wouldn't want to be a middle schooler? So you can sign up online at kensingtonchurch.org slash takeover, and that's coming up on March 9th. Uh, I should let you know, too, we had planned a big United for uh, event for Breakaway tonight. All the middle school students were planning on coming here, but we've been watching the weather, and we've decided to move that event until next Sunday so as many as possible can take advantage of it. We will not be having middle school and high school programs tonight. We want everyone to be safe, and we think staying at home with your family is the best thing to do. Uh, Help us get the word out on that. Finally, if you are looking for an affordable, uh, life-changing date night next Wednesday on Valentine's Day, I want to invite you to bring that special someone and come here for the midweek service. Or you can come alone. You can bring your friends. Come uh, with a group of people to participate in what we're going to be kicking off, which is a six-week period leading up to Easter known as Lent. We'll be digging into the book of Philippians together. We will have some specialty drinks out at Chubby's. We will have free child care for birth through age five. So all in all makes for a great night. I hope you'll consider being a part of it. Let's all take a moment, stand up, say hello to a few people, and we'll continue on. How's everyone doing? Yeah, oh, that was weak. How's everyone doing? There we go. There we go. All right, as we are entering this series, I am really excited about this next piece of our service today. Um, and I want to invite out some really powerful worship leaders. Here they come. Give it up for these kids. Eddie, man, you cracked me up. You come out with your hands up. <laughs> So uh, actually, as we move into this piece of our service, we're going to be led by these kids. These are some kids from our K-Kids program, and they're going to lead us in these next two songs. The first one being Good, Good Father, and the second one being Wild and Crazy, which is one which was like a staple of our student ministries retreat called Wild. How many student ministries people do we have out there? Any of you out in the building? Oh, wow, that was weak. Well, no, we're going to enter into these next two songs, and we're going to be led by some of our kids. Danny always says, you know, uh, Jesus tells us, you know, sometimes we have to become like one of these. Amen? Amen. So as we, so a lot of times we're being led by our kids, so 
welcome these kids and let's just sing it out with them, all right? They got little hand motions and dance moves to join in with. If you want to do those, you can stand and do those too, cool? Cool. All right, let's do it. Don't be afraid to stand. You can stand with the kids. Tell 
Take a look. Oh, it's not too bad. Just a scratch. I think she needs stitches. Stop. I know. I know. I'm so sorry, honey. Girls can be mean. Be careful. And remember, everyone out there is an idiot. Ugh. Oh, honey, you look so beautiful. What's his name? Seriously? Oh, look at you. My goodness. Honey. We're really proud of you. Okay, you're going to do great. I'll FaceTime you around four every day. <laughs> we'll see about that. Are you okay? Yeah, I'll, I'll be fine. It just went so fast. I know. I know. Well, I'll tell you what. I've had that exact little conversation at the end of that video recently. Are you okay? <laughs> you know, because we, Amy and I have gone through every one of those phases. We just sent our last uh, one out to college this past year. He's local, but he's living on campus. And uh, wow. And that statement that it goes by like that is so true. It's just so fast. I can see some of your heads going like this. And we're in this series called It's Just a Face where we're really looking at parenting. And so some of you may be thinking, well, I'm not in that phase or that hasn't happened or all these different kind of reasons. Here's what I want to say to you today. I'm really encouraging you to stay in this series. Here's why. Because I'm hoping by the end of today, we'll have a way wider picture of what parenting looks like. It's not just our own kids. It's an actual look at the children of our region, the children of our world. And so that's what I'm really hoping. Before we do that, I have some business to take care of. So here's the business. Uh, I'm going to talk directly to the stream people right now. The people that are watching in the comfort of their home with fire and a warm coffee. I just want to let you know, like, I'm awesome that you're here. But everyone that's here and showed up in this weather, when they leave today, they're going to get a new car. So... We just want to say hello to you. So on the count of three, just say, hey, stream. One, two, three. Hey, stream. 
you guys are not getting, <laughs> you're not going to, you'll get little matchbox cars. You're not going to get cars. Don't worry. It's not like Oprah, but, uh, but we are way better than you. So just, I'm just talking to them, not you. So thank you for, for braving uh, the weather. I really do appreciate it. I don't know if you've heard this phrase before. I'm, it's very popular. It's an African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a child. And I really believe that. In fact, I believe it from my own life. My two parents are awesome. They just live now a couple of miles from here. They did a wonderful job. They sacrificed uh, for me, my, myself and my two brothers. Unbelievable parenting, honestly. They just did a great job. Um, and we love them to death. But they needed help. They needed help. I needed help. And so I started to think about these phases of elementary, like early childhood elementary, then into middle school, and then into high school. You start thinking about these phases of a child's life, and I needed help. And so I started thinking, who was that in my life? It's really fascinating who got sent into my life. Even now that I can look back at 50 years old and look back and go, wow, God had a plan there. The first one that came to mind was a guy by the name of Ed Johnstone. He's one of my, my dad's best friends, a very best friend. He was an Episcopal priest. And he really lived out his faith in our home. I didn't realize it. I was a little guy, but I watched him. And he was a joyful man, but he had deep faith. And you could see it, and you could watch him navigate parts of his life in his congregation. I had no idea. Like, I didn't really realize it until I look back now and think, wow, I had a beautiful example of a man of faith in our home. And then I started thinking about getting into sixth grade. I've told the story here before, but my sixth grade teacher, Don uh, Ritchie, he was a powerful follower of God, and he invited me in. I was kind of a troubled kid. He invited me to come to a Bible study in public school before school started. And at the end of that year, I came to faith. It was transformative. In fact, at the beginning of the year, I had this unbelievable afro. Like, it was unbelievable. It was so big. And by the end, he, had, he was the only person that allowed me to cut that I could get my hair cut. He's the only one. He took you. I got to take you to the barber. <laughs> I mean, nice cut, right? And I could see a physical transformation, not just a spiritual transformation. It's powerful. Two, now, out of these four people, I'm going to do two more people. I want to tell you something. Two of them were single. They had no bi- biological kids, but they poured into an unbelievable bonding. And both of them were teachers. So I'm just curious, like how many teachers do we have in this room right now? Raise your hand high. Look at that. I want to tell you something. Your, yeah, you can clap for them. I want to say something to you in particular. You have no idea how powerful you are. You have no idea. And so I know it's a grind to be a teacher. But I want to tell you something. The impact you can have on a child's life is profound. So I think about Don Ritchie, and then I move out of elementary school, I go to middle school, and I meet Gus Moore. He was a band teacher, and he came to our elementary school a year before I went into middle school, and he saw I had talent. I started playing drums when I was four years old, and so by the time I was in fifth or sixth grade, I had some talent, and he saw it in me, and he brought me into the band program in middle school, and he poured his life into me. He saw something in me. My parents saw it, but he saw it. And it's different sometimes for a kid. Oh, yeah, mom and dad, whatever. But this guy sees me. And I'll never forget, he taught me more about music than just music. I was in his band class, and I was being a a great middle schooler. I was goofing off and being weird. Yeah, I love you guys, but that's true because I was that too. And so he took me, and he says, "I I need you to see you in my office. And he sat me down in his office. I'll never forget that. I was seventh grade. He looks at me. He says, if you want to be a professional musician, and if you want to be a man, and if you want to be in my band, 
because he wanted me to join his band. I was going to make money. At seventh grade, he goes, you better straighten up your act because I'm not taking you that way. And he was teaching me how to be a man. I was like, I want to be in his band. You know, so I was like really straight laced from that point forward, started making money. And so he poured into me. Then I got into high school and my English teacher, Marie Slotnick, who's a dear part of our family now, she's just our family, really. She was my English teacher and a drama teacher. And she poured her life into me. She, watched, she would take me out to dinner and pour into my life and connect with my family. I'm telling you something, it takes a village to raise a child. It's unbelievable what it takes. I like Mahatma Gandhi says this, a nation's greatness is measured by how it treats its weakest members. Meaning like throughout history, children can be seen as weak, meaning they don't have the power. And a nation's greatness, I would say this community, this church is measured, its greatness is gonna be measured by how we care for our children, our most precious resource. Andy Stanley, great speaker, writer, our pastor says this, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Wow, is that a good statement? Because we always think it's what we're going to do. Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden you have a different vision in your life. Maybe it's someone you pour into and someone that you raise. Because I'll tell you what, those four people, I bet you they never realized the profound impact they had on my life. But they poured in. That's the vision that I'm hoping will happen today in our community across all of our campuses, that we start to see a wider picture of what our children in this region and the children in the world could look like if we started seeing them as our children and us as parents. And there's all kinds of different parents. Amy and I are adoptive parents. There's adoptive parents, single parents, step parents, grandparents, foster parents, community parents. The people like I even mentioned that don't have biological children, but that have students and children in their life that they can pour into. And this series is for all people to capture that kind of vision of what that could look like. Now, all of us have certain things in common, of course. And here's a few of them. One of them is we all have a family of origin. Second one is this, we don't choose our family. There was a phrase when I grew up, it said, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family, right? You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. Some of you are like, well, can I swap families? <laughs> you know? But the fact of the matter is we can't choose our family. In every one of our families, the other thing we have in common, we all have the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. Everyone. We can pretend that we don't, but we do. And so we all have that in common. Life is hard. We all have these complicated, we're broken people. But here's what I would say. For our church community and for the families that are part of our church community, we are better together. Meaning this, we're calling this particular day red plus yellow equals orange. Red meaning the hearts of our individual families that are collected in this place. Yellow meaning the light of the church or light of God through the church. And together, it creates another kind of color that we could never do apart from each other. I really think that we need each other, that we belong together. And then the last one is this. Raising children is marked by phases. There are phases in a child's life. And we all know this. And I'll tell you something. For Amy and I, we had the naysayers in our life that warned us about all those phases. I don't know if you had them in your life. But for us, we had a baby and we were all like, oh, this is going to be so great. And we had one person in our family that's like, oh, wait till they're two. Awful. They're awful. You will not like them then. 
We're like, oh, okay. You know? And then wait till middle school. They're so awkward and they're really smelly and you just don't really want to be around them. So what? And then when they get to high school, oh, Lord, they won't even talk to you. They won't even look at you. I'm thinking, what are we doing? Why are we even being parents, right? But you had that. I don't know if you've had that. But there were so many times in our marriage, or a few times in our marriage, where Amy and I would look at each other and we'd say, I hope this is just a really fast phase. I hope this thing just goes like this, all right? Because I can't really stand them. I think that person was right. <laughs> There's phrases like that. But for me personally, I'll be honest, I have loved every phase of our kid's life. That's just how I'm wired, maybe. I don't know. My wife, she's mourned every phase. <laughs> she still thinks our 20-year-old is like a five-year-old, you know? He comes in, oh, my little baby. I'm like, no, he's not a little baby. He can take us. So, you know, but, but she mourns that. But I have really celebrated those phases. And I've never found one, honestly, I've never found one better than the other. This is how I'm wired. I've never found those phases one better than the other. Each brought its own joy and its own problems. And that's our life. Each phase of our life, no matter where you're at, brings its own joy and its own problems. And that cliche that it all goes by in a blink, it's true. And then, so we have to enjoy the phases. We have to step in to the phases with each other. We have to take each phase as it is, not as we would want it to be. That's kind of like a, that's a principle in recovery. But I'm going to take this phase. So sometimes we have a vision of what our child is supposed to be. We have a vision of what the phase is supposed to be instead of just taking it for what it is and enjoying that phase. And so here's four phases that we're going to look at over the next few weeks. And I just want to give you kind of a rounded look at it. The first one is the embrace phase, the zero to five years old. It's that phase where you're holding this baby close to your chest. You see those pictures, those beautiful pictures of holding a baby close. This is this phase. And in this first phase, the child is asking these basic questions. Am I loved? Am I loved? And am I safe? Am I loved? And am I safe? And they instinctually desire the, their physical needs to be met. Now, if you're an adopted parent in the room, or if you're a foster parent, you know that sometimes we'll receive children that have not had this in this phase. And it can be really difficult can be hard to overcome. This is an important phase, and it's vital that parents embrace these physical needs as this child develops. Nancy Brown, who's one of our great leaders in our K-Kids, if you've never taken advantage of our K-Kids program, you're missing out, I'm telling you. These leaders are unbelievable, and Nancy is one of the leaders of the main leaders there, and she says this about this phase. When parents engage well in this phase of life, they show that God is trustworthy. That was really interesting. Saying when we actually have, because there's a character in Scripture that says that God shelters us, He holds us, He embraces us. And Nancy's saying when we embrace this phase, when we embrace these kids, they start to see the character of God even though they don't know it. So that's embrace. Second one is engage. During this phase, a child starts to seek out attention, looking to ensure you are engaged with them. And they're wrestling with this question, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? I remember this phase so well because for me, you know, my son, I, we even looked at it last night. My, my oldest boy is a big guy, but he's like, remember this book? And it was a book about dinosaurs. I'm not kidding you. This kid was crazy about dinosaurs. And so he would know every dinosaur, their name, their period. He could say all the names. I couldn't say half of the names. And he'd say, sit with me. I'm going to walk you through all the dinosaurs. I'm like, I don't care about dinosaurs. Like, I don't even like dinosaurs, you know? And so he would just go through this whole phase of this thing. That's this phase. He's looking at me to say, are you engaged with me? Do you like what I like? 
Do I have what it takes? Teresa Mosny, who's a great leader as well, alongside Nancy, says this. Recognize the value of the simple and the mundane in this phase. And parent with the end in mind. I've said this over and over and over. Our faith life is developed many times in the mundane of our life. In the putting one foot in front of the other. It, I'm telling you, when you're in that phase and you're, you're, make, you're sitting on the floor and you're playing with blocks and you're like, I really don't want to play with blocks right now. This kind of what you think is mundane is shaping a heart and soul. So the engage phase, our elementary school phase. And then the beautiful middle school years. The encourage phase. This phase is where many of us want to put our head in the sand and forget about it. Like we put our head in the sand and pray for two years or three years to pass and then wake up. We're like, all right, we're in high school. Doesn't happen. But parents and parental influences, it is vital that we press in during this time because here is the, this is a critical time. You know why? Because at this moment, your students are asking these questions. Am I liked and who am I? Am I liked and who am I? I'll tell you what, I meet a lot of adults that are still in that phase. Am I liked and accepted and who am I? This is a critical phase where we need to step in and start to speak into our children, children of this region, and say, are you liked? Oh yeah, you're loved beyond anything you can imagine. Who am I? Oh, you're a child of God. You're gonna do something amazing. God has something for you. It's a powerful face. Sam Francione, who's one of our great leaders in our middle school program, Breakaway, he says this. This phase is where the first thoughts of fear, shame, and insecurity begin to cultivate. And you see that. I saw that in my kids. I saw it in myself. And Gus Moore, that band teacher, knew that about me. And he pulled me in his office and he says, you don't have to play that game. You're somebody different. That's what he was saying. We have that power in this phase. It's their parents' role to encourage and affirm this journey during this. So embrace, engage, encourage. And the last one is empower. These awesome high school years where all of a sudden they start to drive. And then then for me in particular, my son wanted to wrestle me at about 10th grade. And then 11th grade, he wanted to take me down. He wanted to overpower me. He wanted to take me over. Of course, he never won. I would just put him down the floor and sit on him, right? He could take me now, but he couldn't take me then. But that's what's happening. And your student is asking, am I, who am I? Where do I belong? These deeper questions of faith. They're starting to look at their identity outside of the family. And that's a powerful moment right there. Because who are they apart from the family? And they start to become distant in that moment. And in those moments, as a parent, we have to empower them. They have to let them go and empower them and speak to their potential. To dream with them, to, of course, to challenge them, but to encourage them into their potential. I like what Richie Christie said, who leads, a, is part leader of our EDGE program. He loves, absolutely loves our students. He says this, in this phase, embrace tension with your teenager and don't run from it. The more you run towards the tension rather than away, the tension will create connection, not separation. And I'll tell you, in that moment, like in those years, I wanted to run from our kids. And Richie's right. You have to run into the tension in order to create connection. So it's beautiful. Embrace, engage, encourage, and empower. And the way that parents show up in each one of these phases of life starts to significantly shape 
the spiritual development and the health of a student and a child. Now I'll say this, parenting never stops. It never stops. I get the biggest kick out of my mom calling me. She's like, are you okay? You've been eating enough? I'm like, yeah. Like, I'm good. I probably could eat less. You know, I made just stuff. Come over. You know, like it's just, it goes on and on, phase after phase after phase. It's beautiful. And so today, we're actually going to look at a scripture in the Old Testament. Some call it the First Testament. It was written by a man named Moses. Moses was a powerful leader in scripture. He led God's people. He wrote the first five books of the Bible, looked at as the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy, that last book. In the beginning of this book, Moses is actually the leader. And by the end of this book, he's handing the mantle to the next generation. And throughout this book, he's giving hints and secrets of how to actually create a legacy how to pour into the next generation, how to create healthy children and family and students. That's what he's doing because he knows that his time's coming. And now, by the way, here's an interesting fact about Moses. In Scripture, there's about 500 leaders that we can identify. Out of those 500, there's about 100 that we have a decent amount of information on. Out of those 100 leaders, there's 49 that we can tell how they led through the end of their life. And out of those 49, only 14 finished well. Less than, it's about 28%. That figure is the same in the business world and the same of all these words. And so the idea that someone leads well through their whole life is rare. And so in scripture, we would call Moses as the elite 14. He's one of the great leaders in scripture. Now he had a little hiccup at the end of his life, but nothing to disqualify him for how amazing he led and how he poured into the generation and started to create a family of God's people. And so that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at these. At this point, the nation of Israel has wandered for 40 years in the desert after being rescued from slavery and led out by Moses. And now they're on the very edge of a promised land that they're going into. Their life's going to change. And Moses is now going to speak to them and give them truths. But how you do this? How do you go to the next phase, basically? Now, let me ask you this. If you know your time is limited with somebody that you love, like you know you have just a little bit of time left, do you waste time on small talk? Do you sit there and go, oh, the weather's nice, and you look good, and I like that outfit? No, you, if you know you have limited time, boom. I mean, if I know I'm not going to see my wife for two weeks or something, and I only have 10 more minutes with her, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really engage. I found that out years ago when uh, one of my, my daughters uh, had to leave, and I didn't know if I was going to see her for a long time. And so I only had a few days left with her. And we would drive to here and back home every day for three days. And the, for that half hour of driving, I'm not kidding you, I was like, okay, write this down. <laughs> I would give her everything I could give her because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to see her again. I'm going to speak these things to her life right now. That's what's happening in the scripture. Moses knows that he, his time is coming to an end, and he's desperately wanting to put into his people the truths that will actually allow them to move through the phases of life and build generations of people. Listen to what he says. Deuteronomy 6. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. 
The people of God are about to enter a new land, a promised land. They say filled with milk and honey. This land is blessed and filled with great things, but also the trappings of the world. So I'll tell you something. For us, every phase that Amy and I let our kids in, we knew that we wanted to put anchors in them, and that's what Moses is going to do. He wants to anchor his people on because he knows they're moving into another land, another phase. So for us, when our kids first started going to school, we're like, we want them to know who they are. Okay, have a good day. All right, I hope they remember what we said. You know, and then coming out of elementary school and going into middle school, there's such terror there. They don't know it's a change. And we, as they're going to get challenged in their identity, we want to place that in them. As they go to high school, same thing. As they come out and go to college, same thing. We're going through these phrases. That's what Moses is doing. He's putting anchors in. You and your children and your grandchildren. Now you see generations must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. The word fear here isn't the word fear that we know it. It's not like this timid thing. It's a holy fear. It's a holy respect. You must have the highest respect for God who holds all things in the palm of his hand. That's what that word means. Moses is talking to all generations. He's giving a vision to all generations. Now, remember, at this time in history, in this culture, when Moses is speaking, he's not speaking to an individual. He's speaking to a community, a nation. It's different for us. In our context, in our culture, we tend to be individual. Moses is saying, no, we're a community. And I would say that for us today. Could we see ourselves a little different? Not as silos, but as one community, one church that starts to view our children as our children. And that's what Moses is doing here. He's reminding them that they need each other. He's reminding them that they need each other. Now we have, of course, have no guarantee on the length of our life. We don't know how long we're gonna live. What Moses is saying here is if we pass down the eternal qualities of God to our kids, it will have a long life. Our lives may be different lengths, but that truth is going to go on forever. Then he says this, Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promises you. And then he says this, he's basically saying through the act of obedience, listening to God, staying faithful, once again affirms that idea of these principles that have eternal value. And then God gives some of the most important words of Scripture. It's the words that Jesus takes from the Old Testament and claims them to be some of the highest truth that we can live by. And he quotes this Scripture. This particular Scripture is called the Shema. And my mentor, Marie, that I mentioned to you, she's uh, prominent in her synagogue. And I, I spoke to her last night. I said, tell me about the Shema, this part of Scripture. She's like, it's so important. It's so entrenched in who we are. So much so that every morning and every evening, rather, other than Sabbath, which is Saturday and holidays, they recite this scripture all the time. Deuteronomy 6. Listen or hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Jesus adds mind in the New Testament. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. Some of the most important parts of Scripture. He's saying, Here, I would say this, Hear, O Kensington, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. The one, God is unified. He is a God above all gods. Hear this. 
He is the one God. Put your faith in this God. As you enter in and you're walking into this land that has many gods. By the way, we do that all the time. We enter into a place that has many different gods. Many things that we worship. And Moses is saying, don't forget, there's one God above all. Don't forget that. And he says, love God with all parts of who you are. Your emotion, your physical being, your spiritual being. These truths are to be held at the core, at the heart. A friend of mine who's a doctor always says, the heart is the core, the coronary. He says, it's the core of who we are. Moses is saying, put that at the core of your family, the core of your church. And then Moses gives us very practical steps as leaders of children and creators of family in the next verses. He says this, impress these truths upon your children. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It's like this. If you want to understand and you want to remember truth, if you want to have a place that you can rest that doesn't move, I want you to impress that upon your children. How do you impress that upon your children? How do you make an impression on your children? Here, I'll tell you, I think this is, I really do believe this. You know how you make an impression on your children? You live it. You live out these truths. I can say all kinds of things to my children and tell them all kinds of deals, but if I'm not living it, it's not gonna make any difference at all. And they watch. I mean, they watch everything a parent does, a parental figure does in their life, and they mimic that. About a year ago, my oldest boy came up to me. He's like, you know what, Dad? I'm like, yeah, you know, I've been thinking about our childhood. You and Mom were weird. And I was like, What? Yeah, we had an odd childhood. It's just, I don't know, like, you guys are real strict. And you really cared about who we hung out with, and you were always asking me. I mean, that was just weird. And they said something interesting to me. He says, do you realize that all my friends that I have, he's like, I've seen most of their parents drunk or, like, partying. He said, you've never done that. Now, look. I'm not talking about behavior modification. I'm not lifting Amy and I up. That's not what I'm talking about because we've made plenty of mistakes. Believe me, we've made a lot of mistakes. But what I realized in that moment was what he's saying to me is, you're trying to live out your faith in front of me. Whether he believes it or doesn't believe it, that's okay. That's not for me to decide. But what he's saying is, you're different. You're trying to live a different kind of way. They watch and they see And so Moses is saying, impress them. If you want to impress that upon your children, live it. Live it out in front of them. And then this is what he says. Talk, 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 talk. He's like, talk about God. Talk about faith. Tell the stories. Talk. Have conversations. Have them when when you wake up in the morning. Have them when you lay down at night. I'll tell you, the most precious times I had with my kids was at night. You know why? Because the nighttime is so vulnerable, especially for children. When they lay down in that bed and they start thinking about their day and their struggles and who they are and what they're about, all it takes is you to sit there for a minute in that dark and listen to them. And this is what I found. When that happens, you know what happens? They start talking. It's a beautiful moment. And Moses is saying, you want to raise up world changers? You want to raise up people that are strong in their identity? 
just talk. It was amazing what happened to our adoptive kids because when we got here, we had a little bit of a language barrier because they spoke Spanish and we spoke English. So it was really wild. The first year was like a sitcom. It was really strange. And so we didn't talk a lot. We did, but we had no idea what each other was saying. And then as we went on, we started to get a common language. We started to speak. Now, for their upbringing, they had a hard time looking us in the eye. So I like to look in the eye and talk like this. They... They wouldn't do that because there wasn't enough trust there. So over time, what we had to do was we had to find ways to talk. And here's what we found. We found when we go walking, like Moses says, talk while you're on the road. If we took a, if we took a walk and we were, our eyes were like this, you know what started to happen? I mean, man, can girls talk. Whew. And what, so what did we start to do? We started to take walks. My wife walked forever. She just kept walking. It was like Forrest Gump. You know, where is she? I don't know. They're still talking. And, you know, what I ended up doing was taking car rides. Because our eyes are like this. They're looking on the road, and all of a sudden, that's what Moses is saying. He's like, when you're sitting around the house, when you get up in the morning, when you're lying in bed at night, when you're walking the road, when you're driving, when you're doing anything, talk. Talk about your faith. And here, I'm going to let you off the hook for parents in here that are not sure about their faith because I just had a conversation last, last service. You don't have to be perfect in your faith. Just talk about it. I tell my kids my, my stuff that I struggle in. I just texted my son the other day. Hey, I'm having a struggle this day, blah, 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 blah. He wrote back and sent me one of the most encouraging texts I've ever gotten. Man, it's beautiful. Show your brokenness as a parent especially at different times of, of kids' lives. Show it. Say, I don't know everything, but this is what I'm struggling with, but this is what I see. Just talk. And then he says, bind. Bind this and write this truth. Some of it's kind of, kind of uh, uh, imaginative and some of it's real. There weren't many manuscripts at this time. So you have to understand, for Moses to say, write it, there wasn't a lot of written manuscripts. In fact, there was only a few times in the year, maybe only once a year, where the whole nation would be able to hear this read out loud from a manuscript. So Moses is saying, write it. Put it on your forehead. Put, bind it to your arm. When I was talking uh, to, to Andrew Kim yesterday, he said there's a phylactery. This phylactery is, is, is something that the Jewish culture would use to, to have this actually come to fruition in real time. And I called my friend Marie last night and said, hey, tell me about this phylactery. What is this? And she's like, it's really fascinating. For Jews, some uh, Jewish culture, and still to this day, they actually put these little boxes. I think we have a picture of them. You can throw up that picture. This is a phylactery. And inside these boxes are the actual scriptures written from Deuteronomy written in here. And they're sealed. If they ever get broken, they have to take it somewhere and have it redone and then given back. Made kosher again is what they say. And these, these one would go on your arm right here. And then there's a bunch of wrappings around that come. In fact, I think we have that. And then the other one goes on the forehead. And the one by the arm as it's placed down next to you is right in the level with your heart. And the other one is in your forehead. And the straps fly here. And the other ones wrap around. And when they come around this way, they form the letter that starts Deuteronomy 6.4. It's the Shema. It's the reminder. Do you realize that to this day, every morning, other than Sabbath and holidays, there are certain sects of the Jewish culture that do this every morning. That put this on. What are they doing? They're pledging allegiance to their God every day. They're saying, 
you above all things, I'm going to give my heart to you. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It's a beautiful custom that they have. And Moses is pleading with the nation of Israel. He's pleading with us. He's pleading with Joshua, the next leader of God's people and all of his leaders to be intentional about the phases of our life. Be intentional about the phases of our children. And so I'm gonna give you three thoughts to rest on and then we're gonna hear a beautiful story by some of our students. First one is this. Every child needs mentors. Every child needs mentors apart from their parents. I started thinking about my three kids. You know, my youngest one really had a lot of anxiety when he was young, so much so that we had to remove him out of one school and put him in another school, a smaller school. And it was traumatic. And so as we were going to this newer school, I remember driving my son there, and he was just, it was awful. He could barely get out of the car. And I'm thinking, how is he even going to make this? How is he going to survive this? And I'll never forget the first day. We pull up in this circle drive, and there's this guy out here that's kind of boisterous. And we pull up. I don't know who he is. I later found out he's part of our Kensington. He was part of Clinton Township. Now he goes to Shelby. His name was Robert, Robert Monroe. I'll never forget this. My son gets out, head down, anxious. And all I hear when the door is open is, Benny! And he just yells my son's name. I don't even know how he knows the story. I don't even know that he knows my son's anxious. He just yells my son's name. And my son keeps his head down and he walks into school. That goes on for a year. Every morning, this strange kind of odd guy keeps doing this to the point where I go up to him I'm like, dude, this is awesome. I'll, this is what happened. After two months, my son walked in with his head up. After three months, he'd look over and he would say, Mr. Monroe, and then he'd walk in. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you something. When you pour in to somebody's child, and you see them, you know how powerful that is? That is unbelievable power that God has given this community. He wasn't, that wasn't his son, but he saw him as his son. There are people in this room right now that don't realize the power they have. The beautiful power to transform a student's life that's not yours biologically. Because you start to see children as your own. My oldest boy, when he got into high school, he quit talking to me. You know, it's high school. And, and so I was nervous, you know. And so I started paying off my other kids so they would tell me information. But they didn't have anything. No, no trick I, I had worked. And so, uh, so I started praying, Lord, would you send him a powerful man of God to speak into his life other than me? Because he's not going to talk to me. And so it goes on and on and on. And finally, one day I went to him. I said, man, I'm really nervous about you. And like, you're not even talking to me. And I'll go, Dad, don't worry about it. I got a guy at work that I've been talking to for about a year. He's awesome. I was like, oh no, who's this guy? I found out who this kid was. His name was Bradley Russ. I found out, you know Bradley? Where is he now? He's in Africa as a missionary. He's a powerful young man. He had an incredible story that linked to my son's story. And for that whole year, all he did was press into my boy and tell him who he was. Man, I took him out to breakfast and hugged him. Whew. Beautiful. My daughter, she came here. She's a legacy changer, man. She's the first one that ever been to the States, first one to ever have a driver's license, first one to ever graduate high school, first one to ever go to college. I mean, she's a legacy changer for her family. And two friends of ours, Ben and Chris Cheshire, they own some restaurants and they took her in and let her work at their restaurant. And she's become one of their managers now. And it's so beautiful. And Chrissy, my, my daughter would come home and she goes, hey, dad, 
You know, every time I see Christy, you know what she says? I'm like, she goes, there's my girl. You know what what she's saying? Saying, you have worth. You are my girl. She goes, I love that. Of course you do. Because Chrissy and Ben see children, not just their own, but they see, they have a new vision. So man, I'm telling you, every child needs mentors. Every parent needs partners. That's why I really believe that partnering with parents and families as a church community is so important. That's why this yellow plus uh, red or red plus yellow equals orange, it's, it's a powerful partnership. Sometimes parents, and I know I've thought this too, the church's job is to spiritually train my kid and then I'll do all the other stuff. But that's almost impossible. Here's why, because it's a 43,000 rule. On average, a church-going family goes to church about 40 times a year. That means we have 40 hours with your kids. Do you know how many time, hours you probably have? 3,000. If you put mentors into that, it goes even more. So it's so important that we have a partnership, that we partner together. That's why we do these parenting classes, so that we'll have time together away from this to, to exchange ideas, to look at scripture, to train us up. So sign up for the parenting class. That's why we do K-Kids, so that we can pour into the lesson there. And you're learning here. And when you get in that car, guess what you got to do? Talk, 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 talk. There you go. That's why we do breakaway, our middle school, so that they can learn community and start to learn that they're worth, that they don't have to give in to other things, that they can stay the path and that they're valuable. That's why we do edge and that's why we pour so much into our high school students because they become powerful world changers at that point. That's why we do what we do. And so that that's a, parents need partners. We need to do this together. And then the last one is this. And this sounds trite. Every family needs God. And I know it sounds trite, but look, if you're, sure, if you're shooting at nothing, as far as a vision, guess what you get to hit? Nothing. The minute God came in to our family, I had a true north. I had somewhere I could rest to say, okay, I know where true north is now. I know a bit of a, a way I can go. I have a community that can point me in the right direction. Every family needs God. And Moses speaks so powerfully to this at the end of Deuteronomy before he's gonna hand off the mantle. And I would say this to you today. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. And then he says, this is how you make that choice. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, by obeying him, and by committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to life. This is the key to life. No matter where you're at, this is the key to life. Root yourself in God, the one and only God, the one that's unified. So let me ask you two questions. Who other than me or who other than you will your child or my child go to to seek counsel? And the second question is this. Whose life other than my own family will I choose to invest my parents, when we were young, taught us this. I don't know if they intentionally did this or not, but we had a neighbor kid across the street and he lost his father at a young age. In fact, he died right in their front lawn and, and it was dramatic and he lost his father. And so I don't know if my parents invited him intentionally or not, but somehow Mike became part of our family. And he had free reign of our house. Like he'd just walk in, he'd, you know, have stuff out of our kitchen. He would do anything he wanted. He'd open the refrigerator, he could do anything he wanted. He was just part of our family. And boy, I'll tell you something. When he moved out and got married and had his child, he named his child after my father. 
My father was his father during those times. Boy, what a powerful vision. I'm telling you, there are people right now in the seats that are mourning that they don't have kids or that those times are gone now. You are sitting on a treasure trove of knowledge and wisdom that God is pleading with you to share with children all around you and students all around you. He's saying, come on, man. The world needs you. This region needs you. I call us as a community to become a community that creates family, that creates homes for children. I call us to that. It's a beautiful vision. And so we interviewed some of our young students that are starting to catch this vision. In fact, there's a moment for me in this video that I see it start to percolate in one of our young students named Cole. And so I want you to fall into this video and see this kind of play out in real time, hear their thoughts, their powerful leaders, and many of the leaders that are up here. And as we do that, we're going to receive our offering. And so if you've come prepared to give awesome watches, you can come down and be ready. I know Amy and I give online straight uh, every week. So if you're part of that, thank you. If you are brand new, which there's a lot of brand new people I'm meeting in the last month, this does not have to be your moment. You can just walk out in the lobby a little to your right. There's a place called Starting Point. And that's a place where we'll shake your hand, hear your story, and I connect you in. But if you want to take part in this, great. Uh, but why don't we sit back and watch this and really see how these principles play out in the lives of our students in their words. pray that you give us the words to speak through us and to the people who are going to watch this video. And just be a testimony of what you've done in their life. So we love you, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen. 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 Cool. Take one. Why don't you guys share a little bit about how you guys met and became so close? We text, we call, we Snapchat, a social media, man. Bonded a lot, worship together. Yeah, well, when we're worshiping at Edge, he'll, he'll be sitting down struggling. I'm like, I got you. God's with you and all that stuff. And we're just there for each other ever since then. He's just a brother who's got my back. He's the brother who's got my back. That's awesome. So how do you feel like you're, like what you learned with your families or through Edge and Breakaway like set you up to really bring your faith outside of church? Yeah, Breakaway and Edge is such a place where you just walk in and you're safe and it's literally like my second home and my (laughs) lifelong friends like my best friends are from edge like that Mm -hmm. I met and built relationships with and everyone who goes are just real and like they they want they care about you like you'll walk in and you'll be alone and someone from edge will be like hey come sit with me my friends like and I couldn't encourage you more to just Go for it. Yeah. So one of the small group leaders at at Edge, um, I met with her towards the beginning of the year, and she was talking about how when you get to college, there's one of two outcomes. Either you continue to follow Christ or you fall off and you fall into the ways of the world. And I think that just, like, really shifted my perspective, and I was like, wow, like, I only want to, like, follow Christ. Can you guys, like, recall maybe a specific moment um, at home with mom and dad or the family where like you really saw your parents leading you to Jesus and helping your relationship with God. My parents 
came to this church because of the K-Rock program that was here. And that was the year my parents almost got a divorce, actually. So it was super hard for my family. You know, my parents like definitely could have taken the easy way out and like left each other. But the service that was going on, like the message that they heard was, like in a marriage, like you gotta fight for one another and you gotta fight for your family. Like sometimes it's gonna be hard. Like my family isn't perfect. Like we have our issues a lot, but because like we have God, we have like a foundation. In sixth grade, my father passed away and that was probably the hardest times for me, seventh and sixth grade. That's when I really started to like think about thoughts of suicide and my mom stayed really, really strong while I got really low. And she would, take, she would take me to church every Sunday morning and talk about every single day how God is great and why he will never leave you no matter what, even at your lowest times. So what would you say to like families or students um, of kind of the importance of creating God at the center of your family environment? Well, what me and my family do is before dinner we pray and we read a little bit of scripture. I think that that's also really important because it's just a time that our whole family can connect and talk about God, which really doesn't happen because we're all so busy. I wouldn't be here without my parents. I wouldn't be at this church. I wouldn't even believe in God without my parents. And to think of that, it's pretty insane because my like your parents have such a huge impact on who you are like as a person and who you become. And there's so much importance and like pouring into your kid and letting them know how loved they are and how much Jesus loves them too. I'm so moved. I'm, I'm really moved by that moment where Cole just puts his hand up on Sebastian in that moment. To me, I see so much in that. We're here, we're starting to train, like God is training this young man to see and have compassion on another person's life. He's starting to understand actually like parenting in a lot of ways. Friendship, yes, but there's something about that move and to hear about Sebastian's mom and how, how she led that really difficult situation to say the Lord's faithful. The two of them right there in that moment are living out, all of the students in that video, <laughs> But in that particular moment, they live out this scriptures to remind us who God is. This is who he is. He's the Lord above all lords. He is unified in one. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Even in the darkest moments, he is there. This is rooted deep down so that we move forward no matter our circumstance. Wow, what a beautiful vision. That's what Moses is saying to the nation and that's what God is saying to us now. So this is what I want to do. I want to have all of us stand up because we're going to read scripture. In the culture of that time, you would stand when you read scripture because it was a holy moment out of absolutely holy respect for God and the written word of God and, and spoken word of God. And so we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to recite this together. I'm going to pray. And then Jalen is going to sing a thought over us. And at the end of that thought, I, I want to, to have you take something home with you. So stay with us. But here we go. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. 
Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Lord, please tattoo your truth on our hearts, minds, and soul in this community. Father, give us a new vision of what it means to be a community that looks at children in this region and around the world as your children, a community that creates family for those that need family, parents that don't even have never even seen themselves as parents of more than maybe what's in front of them, uh, have them see a wider vision, unleash the elderly in our community that are holding on to so much wisdom and so much power used in your hands could transform students' lives. Don't let that go wasted, Lord. Nudge them now in the name of Jesus and have them see a new vision for a new phase of their life as they pour into phases of our children and students in this area. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We know that all God's promises are yes and amen, right? Y'all can agree with that a little more, right? We know that all God's promises are yes and amen, right? So I want you all to sing this out with me. Sing, Father. Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness. You have filled me with peace. Faith. 
I know the focus is on God all the time, and you're, you're not going to take this, but my, my Lord, thank you for Jalen. Man. I just, I'm done, man. I go, whew. Uh, that was a beautiful reminder. That, that whole concept of God's promises are yes and amen. Like God promises he's never going to leave him for a He promises he's going to be in the middle. He promises he's going to lead us. That's what Moses is saying. Look, if you're going to do this on your own, it's not going to work. But God can lead you. And so this is what we have. We have these decals. These are kind of fun. When you walk out one per family, don't be like lining your pockets. I actually, I actually had someone feel guilty last service. And they're like, I took an extra one here. And they gave it back. One per family, and it has our scripture of the day on it. And it's a great reminder. You put anywhere that you'll see it every day, anywhere that it's, it's the whole doorpost. It's the binding. It's the putting on the forehead. It's reminding you of this scripture. Uh, this coming Wednesday, I'm going to invite you uh, back for our midweek service. Like Nancy said, it's a cheap Valentine's Day. But more importantly, it's Ash Wednesday. And for my uh, from tradition I grew up in, that's the beginning of Lent season. So we're going to have a, 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 a whole little thing that we're going to do together through this season. So come back for that next week. The next two weeks, Andrew Kim is going to lead us uh, because I'm going to be suffering in Pasadena, California, studying. So, sorry, uh, I'm not going to be with you, but I'm going to be enjoying it. And so, uh, if you need prayer, come down front. We'll be out in the lobby. Uh, we're grateful that you're here. If you need starting point two, go right out there and sign up for that parenting class. It'd be awesome. We'll see you next week. <laughs>